Welcome back to the Viking Update Show, part of TalkNorth.com. John Krasinski from The Athletic is the other voice you'll hear. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Our producer is Brandon Morton. All right, we are into the silly season, and I thought I would ask you a very provocative uh, crossover question here, John. Of course, John does the John Krasinski Show at TalkNorth.com. He covers the Timberwolves and the NBA for The Athletic, uh, breaks a lot of news. Uh, we, we love talking football, too. But at this particular juncture, my question for you is, having covered the Wolves for many years, having either watched or covered the Vikings for many years, which franchise is in, a, is in better shape at this moment? Hmm. Um, boy, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, I think the Timberwolves are from a, from a, it seems like a stability slash star power standpoint i think they have with edwards and towns with mcdaniels with whatever happens with russell i mean i think they just have a higher end talent at the top of their roster than maybe the vikings do right now i know that we have justin jefferson you know but you got like hunters coming off injuries kendricks has been a little banged up we all know kirk cousins delvin cook is 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 a great player um but i think that just a, a sheer kind of watchability star level thing i will go with the timberwolves I will say that it is so much harder to win in the NBA than it is in the NFL. So I think that the Vikings from a chance to be a factor, not only whether it's this season, but going forward in the seasons, you know, ahead, I think that we see all the time that NFL teams come off of disappointing seasons, make a couple of moves and, and kind of vault back into contention a lot easier than it can happen in the NBA. So from a competitive balance standpoint, I'd put the Vikings just a little bit ahead, but more that has more to do with sort of the the way that the NFL is set up from in terms of competitive standpoint than the NBA. But as a as a basketball biased observer, I think that the Wolves are just a lot more fun to watch, and they're on, they're on a lot more solid ground with Tim Connolly, with Chris Finch, with Edwards and Towns than the Vikings are, where they seem to be kind of stuck in this period of transition from old to new and they're not quite what they were in the old days and they're not yet what they want to be in the new days so they've got a little ways to go yet yeah i agree with you completely and and you mentioned a couple of the obvious comparisons i think finch is just a more developed coach in the nba than o'connell is in the nfl o'connell might be great but we don't know that yet uh tim Connolly has been doing this a long time has a great reputation quasi adolfo is gonna have to prove himself uh, and I also will say this most important position in the NFL is Kirk Cousins. And, you know, anybody who's rational will just slot him in somewhere between eight and 15 as far as, you know, NFL quarterbacks you would want. And if you factor in the amount of money he's made, the contracts he's made, and everything else, um, and his unvaccinated status, maybe you'd bump him down a little bit from there. Uh, what's interesting about the Wolves is they have a star in Carl Anthony Towns and they have a star at the prime NBA position of wing scorer and defender who might end up being a bigger star than Carl. I I think Anthony Edwards could really put the wolves over the top here. You think about the great players of this generation and most of them were wings, whether it's Steph Curry size or LeBron James size, there are people who play in the wing, get their own shot, shoot the three slash play defense, lead a team. Edwards has got a chance to do all that stuff. He absolutely does. You look, I think that if we want to try to boil it down to, you know, trying the simplest terms of, in how we make a decision and evaluate 
uh, which team is in the quote unquote better shape. The team with the player that can take over a game and dominate a game probably has the edge. And Anthony Edwards has that capability. Carl Anthony Towns can also do that at times as well. So they have two guys in a, uh, when you, ha- when you are on a court with five that have the potential to do that. Um, and I do think that you feel even better about Edwards long-term as that wing scorer, not the big who can, is going to have the ball in his hands. Who's putting in the work, who seems to have that overall natural charisma and box office draw as well for, for the fe- for the fans. Um, that puts them in a great position with the Vikings who can take over a game. Jefferson has taken over games before, um, but he's kind of dependent on what cousins does. Dalvin cook can do it. Um, but just the way that the game has evolved, it's a lot harder for the running back to really kind of influence the outcomes of games as much as they did, uh, once upon a time. I mean, I know there's the Derrick Henry's of the world and a few others that are out there and maybe Dalvin cook on certain games and certain weeks, belongs in that conversation but I think it's a lot easier you don't have to suspend disbelief as much or you don't have to say well if this happens then that can work out and that with with Towns and Edwards as you do with Jefferson and Cook and so um so I think that's a huge part of this and I do think you know you're right in terms of the leadership angle of this um you know we just saw Tim Connolly work a draft pretty damn well in terms of turning the 19th pick into the 22nd and 26th pick and getting two guys that he really liked. Will those guys be good um, over the long haul in the NBA or not? We don't know, but he absolutely kind of was clinical in the way that he went about maneuvering and manipulating the board to get to points where he wanted to with players that he really liked. And and so um, you have that, and you contrast that with Quasi's first draft, which was shaky. Let's be honest, especially in the first round, with the way that you know the trades came out, with who he was trading with, with the the return that he got for the trades that he made. It was not as clear cut or as clean, certainly as what Connolly did. And that's a rookie GM versus a guy who is in his tenth year now doing this. And so. Um, so from that aspect, when it comes to being able to procure talent and identify and add talent around your, your, your main guys, so far you do have to give the edge to the Timberwolves. Well, maybe Quasi will eventually become, you know, the next, I don't know, Jimmy Johnson or whoever as a, as an unbelievable GM who really kind of grows into the position, but he's just not there yet. Same with Kevin O'Connell. Maybe he's, you know, the next Belichick and he's going to be incredible as a head coach, but he's, he has not coached a head coach one game yet. So we don't know. Whereas Chris Finch already has a little bit of a track record of improving the team and having it play better, maybe even than the talent on the roster. So those guys are just a little more proven to, it just seems like it's on a little more solid ground. And as a long time sports observer um, in this town, I realize the absurdity of saying it looks like the Timberwolves are on a stronger foundation than the Vikings are right now, because that has never, ever, ever been the case, but here we are. So it's a, it's a new day in 2022. No doubt about it. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, You can find all of our shows at talknorth.com. 
We have two NFL shows, this one and Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Of course, Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager. Jeff's off this week, be back next week. Uh, he's done a lot of good stuff around the draft and heading to free agency. You can still check out the archives of his shows at talknorth.com. We do appreciate you listening. Uh, check out Dave Lee of WCCO fame. He's doing a series for us. I just did his show the other day. That's also at the website. And check out the Cheryl Reeves show, all of our outdoor content. Uh, everything else at the website. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the network. So you mentioned Alvin Cook, and and I wanted to use that to segue into a a difficult but probably necessary topic here. And and we're going to talk philosophically here because we're seeing what Deshaun Watson is putting the Browns through right now. Um, you know, he set, settled like, twenty cases of women who accused him of sexual assault. Uh, there are still cases outstanding. Uh, he might get suspended for a long time. It, it's 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 Really horrible for the team, horrible for the town, horrible for the league. Uh, and, of course, it was horrible for those women to have to be treated that way. Dalvin Cook had, you know, at least some rumored off-the-field transgressions in when he was at Florida State. Uh, he had an accusation levied against him last year. Uh, similarly, I'm not going to get into the details here because I want to make this more of a philosophical discussion. Uh, and, and, you know, we covered Randy Moss here, and Randy Moss – you know, he bumped a cop with his car. He, you know, was accused of smoking just a massive amount of weed in college. He had supposed character issues. He, he, in high school, he beat the crap out of somebody. And, and he was, always seemed to be on the edge, even when he wasn't crossing the line. He was going up to the line. In the NFL, a sport where we're not talking about wanting a room for, full of choir boys, but you do have, have some standards, where do you draw the line? Hmm. What do you put up with? What do you condone? What do you, you, you know, and do, do you always, are you always cynical enough to play the, well, if he's talented, he's going to get a break. If he's not talented, I'm going to cut him. I mean, where, where do you stand on all this stuff? Well, I mean, just from what we've learned as observing this league, um, and especially in what the Browns have done for Deshaun Watson, uh, from in terms of contracts, in terms of structuring the contract. So even if he gets suspended, he really doesn't lose all that much money. Um, um, all of those things, you have to be as cynical as possible in terms of if a t if a player is really talented, especially let's say at quarterback, um, that they're going to get chance after chance after chance. Where do you draw the line? That's the hard part. Um, I am understanding of say someone in Randy Moss's shoes who. Um, probably made some mistakes growing up, uh, did some things that he maybe shouldn't have done, but nothing very criminal or sinister about them. And just like looking at these young kids as kids that are going to make mistakes and have the ability to learn and grow and evolve over time and mature that, you know, if you feel like you've done your research and you can help put them in an environment that helps them get on the path to becoming a responsible adult that yeah, absolutely give them chances in the case of Deshaun Watson. That's way over the line, whatever, wherever the line is, we're way, way, way past it. Like I, it's one thing to even just to trade for him and give him a chance and all these things. It's another thing to give him $230 million guaranteed. And also, Oh, by the way, wink, wink, we're going to structure the deal 
so that even if we lose you for a long time in this upcoming season, you're only going to lose like a million bucks of that. And it's not even going to be that big of a deal. That is the stuff that I think really kind of can make an NFL fan stomach churn, even in when viewing it from as, as cynically as possible. Um, Delvin cook, I'll be honest, Jim. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I, when you talk to people around him about some of the things that allegedly happened in college, um, there are at least people who stand up on his behalf who say kind of, um, you know, say that, Hey, just get to know this kid, give him a chance. He's, he's actually a good person. And for most of the time that he's been a Viking, that has absolutely been true, and it's been the case. Now you look at the next, in, the, the the most recent incident last year, and that you know muddies the waters a little bit again. Ultimately, what it says is you can never really know for sure, and so um, I think you always have to kind of go into these situations with your eyes wide open, but also being prepared to stick to some principles um, on on these things. And I don't know, like where to draw the line is, you know, in Deshaun Watson's case, would two accusers have been okay, but 22 is not, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You have to, I think you have to, you have to review, review them on an individual case by case basis because all of these situations are so different and the, the circumstances are so different, but they're absolutely, let's be clear on, th- there should be a line somewhere. Like there should be some place that's far enough where it's just like, all right, man, like, yes, you may be talented. Yes, you may be able to throw the ball. Yes, you may be a great leader in the huddle or whatever, but we can't. There's there's just certain things that we can't do. Or if we are going to bring you in, there's got to be certain protections that are involved with us where as if things don't work out the way that that you say they're going to work out, um, we can kind of get out of this. And that's kind of where I stand. It's very wishy-washy, but it's just so hard because this is such an abstract issue and you cannot really identify hard and fast rules. It's just, I think you got to look at each player and each situation of its own merit and then make your own decision on it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. It's, it's difficult to talk about. I was, you know, you, I want to keep it philosophical, but to even talk about philosophically, you have to cite examples and Deshaun Watson's the most outrageous at the moment. All right. I'll tell you what, we're going to go back to silly season stuff. Thanks for dealing with that question. First of all, though, we do want to thank star bank and let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient, Financial services, I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services. You got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Uh, we'd also like to thank TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. Keep it simple. If you are injured, you need great representation. They win a lot of cases. They win, won so many cases. They've expanded their business, moved into beautiful new offices in a great building down there in South Bloomington that we visited recently. They do not charge you unless they win your case. So just remember, 612-TSR-TIME. And thanks also to Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Jim, Head Flyer Brewing, uh, Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue, Northeast, right off of 35W. 
Great tap room. I was just in there last weekend with a friend, uh, grabbing a couple of drinks, some crunch times, some really refreshing beer on a beautiful summer night. Go in there, get any number. You got IPAs. You got all sorts of. You have sours. We have all sorts of different uh, beers that uh, that will fit your palate, whatever it is. Grab a cool shirt. Enjoy yourself with the awesome bartenders that are there. Everything's great. Uh, the, the atmosphere is awesome. You can watch games on the big screen TV. And just sit on the patio and kick kick back and have a beer with your friends, with your dog, whatever it is. You can also grab growlers and crowlers to take home with you. Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. Tell them John Krasinski and the John Krasinski Show sent you. Who do you think the most important non-star on the Vikings is right now? Non-star on the Vikings. Hmm, that's a good question. Let me think about that. You you go first while I'm thinking about mine. Yes. All right. Uh, obviously, they're going to need Hunter and Smith to be healthy and play really well on the outside. But if those guys do that, then they qualify as stars, so they can't be included in this. I think Kendricks is a known quantity if he's healthy. I think Thielen is a known quality quantity. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of looking for the sleeper important player. I might go with Dalvin Tomlinson just because mm. for all the great pass rushers and all the great defensive lines the Vikings have had through the years, and they've had a lot of great ones – I don't know that I've ever seen a great Vikings defensive line that didn't have somebody in the middle stuffing the run, tying up blockers that freed up you know the linebackers that, that, that uh, made it easier to rush the passers on the edge. I think if he does his job really well, then that front three, front, front five, however you want to describe it in a, a three, four setup uh, could be really dynamic. Great point. Um, yeah. And, and like, the way, yeah, the, in terms of the way that they are changing their schemes and the the need, let's say, quite frankly, the need for this defense to get back to respectability to um, to the units that over the years throughout history of the Vikings organization have been assets to the team and not um, obstacles to winning, like having someone in there to hold down the middle to avoid them just getting absolutely gashed in the running game uh, to open up that, that would open up the play action pass against an inexperienced secondary and all of those things. Uh, I think that's a great pick. Uh, I I do think that uh, we haven't seen, certainly haven't seen the best of Dalvin Tomlinson. um, And, you know, when you think of like, uh, Linval Joseph, or you think of Henry Thomas, you think of like John Rant, you think of all these interior defensive linemen that have been real impactful players. Now, is Delvin Tomlinson that? No, because we've said we're, we're talking non stars, but you have to get back to being able to hold down the middle of the defensive line and open things up and take some pressure off your edge rushers to kind of get this defense back where it needs to go. So I think it's a good pick. And also conversely, that's kind of where I'm staying, but on the opposite side of the line, I'm going with Garrett Bradbury um, at center, because I think that when you look at this offensive line, um, I think we feel pretty good about Christian Derrissaw. I think we feel great about Brian O'Neill, the guard situation. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how all that shakes out, but Bradbury is the one I think in the middle of the action there who has the potential to play a lot better than he has and ultimately needs to, if this 
iteration of Vikings offensive line is going to make steps forward and is going to improve to a point where you can keep cousins clean, where you can give him a good pocket and then he can be very successful. We've talked ad nauseum on this show about cousins being the kind of quarterback that needs the ideal situation to be at his best. And he has not had the ideal situation in large part because the interior of the Vikings offensive line just gets absolutely run over by big physical defensive lines that they have to face. And so um, in that regard, if Bradbury can somehow kind of pull himself out of the, the disappointment that he largely has been since he became the Vikings starting center and really kind of become more of an anchor of that line, and not get pushed around to the degree that he did, that he that he has so far, that changes so many things for this Vikings offense. If he continues to be someone who cannot hold up physically, then that puts a ceiling on the Vikings offense and on Kirk Cousins that um, will make it difficult for them to win some of these shootouts that they're probably going to have to win with their defensive secondary in the sh- in the shape that it is. No doubt about it. That's a great pick. And Bradbury's going to be really interesting to watch because it's easy to just assume we know what he is. Uh, right now, he just looks like an undersized center who just can't match up physically. He's, you know, everything we heard about him out of college, everything we heard about him as a rookie was that, hey, this guy works hard. He's smart. He has good technique. He just gets manhandled sometimes. And that, that's there's, it's hard to fix that. But if he's going into a year that he knows not only – you know, he has to save his career here. He yes. has to have a good enough year that somebody wants to employ him next year. It's going to be fascinating to see if he can make any kind of a leap forward because if he does, that solves a lot of the problems. Well, yeah. And the other thing is, is like you talk to him, Jim, and you, you know that he knows all of this. Yep. Like he, he is not one of those guys that sort of lives in a bubble or says, you know, it's not me that's struggling. It's the, it's the system I'm in. It's the mm-hmm. coaches. It's, you know, the other teammates. He's not, any of that, he absolutely has a very real um, self-actualization, and he understands that he's under the gun, that he needs to play a lot better for him to stay in this league and for this team to have a chance. And so um, does that mean that he's going to all of a sudden really make a a, a huge leap and a a big improvement? It, It doesn't guarantee anything, but at least we know that he understands the situation and that he's going to be putting in all the work that he can to see if he can squeeze more out of his physical and mental tools than he has to this point. He is a really smart dude. He has a very great sense of awareness about how everything is. And so I do think that going into training camp, going into this season, you're going to get the best version of Garrett Bradbury. I don't know if that version is good enough to be a center in this league and to really do what the Vikings need him to do. But I do think that he will do everything possible to make sure that he is at the very top of his game. And then we'll see if the Vikings can do enough to help him schematically. And if the improvements, whatever improvements that he does make is enough for him to close the gap that has been considerable between him and really your reliable 
consistent NFL center of which he has not been. Let's get a final thought from John. Thanks again to Brandon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to advertise with this show or any of the shows across the Talk North platform, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. It's going to be a really interesting Viking season uh, one way or another. They always are. All right, John, final thought on the Vikings, the NFL, or anything you like. Yeah, scary email that just came in, Jim. Uh, Vikings announced 2022 training camp schedule. That means I saw that. It is right around the corner, guys. I mean, July is going to go by in a blink, and then Saturday, July 30th, we're going to be down in Egan, and and we're going to be get going, and summer is going to be officially over. So I think that the, the the team has said that training camp tickets and all those go on sale um, to season ticket members on 10 a.m. on Wednesday, June 29th, and then the general public at 10 a.m. on Thursday, June 30th. But it just really does like kind of – put in stark contrast like where we are in the calendar i'm about ready after a little bit of wolves free agency to get away for a little bit of vacation and just kind of get some relaxation in but um we're we're almost to the point where the 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 abyss of the summer is going to be over and purple's gonna be back on the field and we're really going to get a look at what kevin o'connell and what this team can do going into the preseason so uh it'll be here before we know it to quote patrick roycey i'm just gonna rip him <laughs> the he, Royce, my favorite all time. His, his, his when we were down in Mankato, he as a badge of honor, he would drive down, have Tom West yes. hook him up with some interview, and he would drive back that day, so he never had to stay more than like thirty minutes in Mankato. And he's Johnny, I'm here for fifteen minutes, and I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> A lot smarter than I was, I'll tell you that. He also would tell uh, Mike Lynn or other Vikings officials, and by the way, uh, Patrick had quite a feud with these people over the years. Uh, He'd always, you know, somebody, I think somebody once asked him, Roycey, how come they always rip us? You know, how are you, what's, and Roycey looked at him and said, I have two strategies for writing a Vikings (laughs) game column, okay? If, If you lose, I rip you. If you win, I rip the bums you beat. (laughs) He is a Hall of Famer for a reason. That's right.